Hey, podcast friends, Joe House here, encouraging you to watch The Ringer's new live reaction show, Talk the Thrones. Each week, Andy Greenwald, Mother of Dragons' Mallory Rubin, Chris Ryan, and our very own Jason Concepcion are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk the Thrones will stream exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends and can be found on the Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. That crew will be reacting at the same time as you, contextualizing the events and explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk the Thrones, and you can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 on our Twitter and Periscope at Ringer. Alright, podcast pals, welcome back. We have another edition of House of Cars. Part of the Ringer Podcast Network. This is, my friends, as you know, a food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House. Please, friends, keep up the excellent belly sourcing. We love the feedback. The suggestions for topics and guests and the incredible pictures have all been terrific. We are very pleased to announce another way for you to share your belly's best with us. We have email. You can now email us at houseofcarbsfans at gmail.com. That is houseofcarbsfans at gmail.com. On today's show, my friends, of course, we have another fascinating look at what is happening in the world of food via Food News with the Ringer's own Juliet Littman. We were also blessed this week to have a visit with the dirty birdie himself straight out of the ATL. Atlanta's native son, Rembert Brown, is on to make his case for lemon pepper wings as the signature dish of Hotlanta. But coming up right now, part two of the outstanding conversation the podfather Bill Simmons and I enjoyed with the Momofuku mogul himself, Chef David Chang, in which we cover on this part of the broadcast, Dave's Nike Momofuku shoes, sneakers, pardon me, food reviews on the interweb, food movies, and of course, Chang's incomparable last meal on earth. Let's get in that belly with David Chang, my friends. So in part one of this podcast, the whole thing kicked off, Dave Chang, with you telling Bill Simmons, not just telling, but sharing with him a pair of the, of the Nike, the Momofuku, the Nike SB Dunk High Pro Momofukus. And that son of a gun, you gave him a pair. Um, obviously, I'm very eager to get my hands on a pair, but we'll set that aside for now. Tell the people about this shoe. My God. Um it's uh, made out of denim. We wanted it to have the appearance of the, the aprons we give our sous chefs at our restaurants. Um, you know, I wrote probably like, I felt like 20, 20 to 25 pages of thoughts. It was a very intense process working with Nike. I loved every second of it because they want to know everything. 
about who I was, dishes that I made. And I never questioned how that might get translated into the shoe design. But working with Jesse Leva, uh, the creative head for the SB division, um, it, it just got deep on every type of thing possible. Uh, even the, to the logo. I think Nike, this is like the second time Nike has ever changed their logo in, in conjunction with another logo. So on the tongue, it has the, the, the Nike SB uh, in the form of a Momofuku peach. That was really cool. Um, and just everything. They wanted it to be personal. That's why they were like, tell me about what numbers are important to me. I said 163 and <clears throat> 171. Those are the addresses of the first and second restaurant that we've ever done. So listen, I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I didn't believe it was actually happening until, until it actually happened. So I don't think anyone grows up thinking that they're ever going to have their own shoe, particularly a chef. How many shoes are you going to make? All sold out. So am I going to get like robbed? Am I yeah. going to somebody going to like attack me when I have these shoes on? Should I should I watch where I go? I mean, listen, I I wouldn't wear those shoes probably. Good good note. Oh, there you go. How about that? Okay, That's right. Good note. Ha, don't you, leave them around where I'm when I'm out in visiting, Bill. Don't leave them in eyesight, buddy. Yeah, house you'll never know. They're, they're going to go gone. I'm going to hide them. Yeah, you better hide. Put them, them in a safe. So, Dave, one of the things we talked about um, on the on part one of the pod, you know, some of the sort of food trends and so forth, uh, and things that we're you're observing. I'm interested in um, your take on kind of food media because this this day and age, you can get a review from you know any one of a dozen different sources. Um, f- I, I I don't think this is news to you. Food is very popular. Mm-hmm. It's been it's really turned out uh, well for some people. Um, what is your kind of general sense on on uh, you know the the sort of the critic industry and you know the rise of Yelp? Um, it's changed so much. Um, when I first started as a cook and when I first opened my own restaurant, the New York Times that was the only game in town, right? So. Um, they could make or break you, literally, with a good review. Uh, you'd be okay. With a bad review, you'd be out of business in a couple months. <clears throat> um, and you have the New York Magazine, and I know in L.A. you have the L.A. Times, you have Jonathan Gold, and I think that people in L.A. are totally blessed to have someone like Jonathan Gold and Irene Verbena. Uh, very, I mean, Jonathan Gold's the only sh- food writer that's ever won a Pulitzer, for Christ's sake. Um, but something happened with, 2003, 2004, with the invention of blogs and then Twitter and then Instagram, somehow something that was completely uncool as food, because no one wanted to be called a foodie in like the year 2000, 2001, 2002. Something happened around 2004 to seven where all of a sudden being a foodie was sort of being cool. And when that happened, Yelp obviously went crazy. You had chat boards. And all of a sudden, you could sort of dork out and and make your own sort of food fandom page. So if I want to be the top ramen guy, I could be that guy. If I want to be the top burger guy, I could be that guy and pizza and so on and so forth. And the next thing happened were these aggregator sites like an eater and such uh, serious eats. And it just sort of populated. And next thing you know, everyone's opinions seem to be valid. Um, but I tend to think that food is the one thing that even if you're a millennial kid or younger, you can post and you can share and you can have sort of dibs over your friends because they can't download it. They actually have to like physically. It's one of the few things you physically still have to do yourself. Yeah. 
And in a world and an economy where everything's sharing and communal, it's the one thing that is simultaneously sharing, but you actually have to be part of it. So, Dave, as an as an as an innovator, as the empresario, the mogul that you are, constantly innovating, opening new restaurants. You have North Spring opening up in L.A. How how are you thinking about um, the best strategy? for making it a kind of a live moment, a live spot. You're already an established brand, so people will be curious and interested to have you in LA and psyched to come try your, your food. But what's your strategy for, you know, um, you know, kind of buying acceptance after the first kind of six months of buzz? Um, we, the food's got to win. I mean, that's, that's it. I fully expect everyone, this is just how I think, everyone's going to hate it. We just got to beat everyone. You know, we have to win over the haters. Um, and that only starts with us building a team. Like, in my mind, I think Bill's going to like this, we're creating a, an expansion team, and we want to be, like, the first expansion team that makes the playoffs. That's in my mind. That's how we're looking at it. So it's about building the right culture, getting the right kinds of people, and how we staff up. Uh, I think the, the space itself is going to be beautiful. It's going to be done in a way that Momofuku's never built anything before. Uh, we should have a pretty cool outdoor space. Um, it's all in all, it's a, it's just a killer space. We just have to make sure the food's going to match it. And do you look for validation through some of these like external, like, you know, is social media validation important? Is traditional media validation important or is it just asses in seats? That's the ultimate validation for a restaurant. I think social media is important in the short term, but at the end of the day, social media is just word of mouth, right? We want this is when I tell cooks or people that start a restaurant or when someone wants to make a great dish, our goal is for them to leave the restaurant being like, holy fuck, that was delicious. Right. Uh, it's like the same feeling when you have an, you watch an amazing movie or great game, anything that, that same feeling of elation when you have a delicious dinner or great bite of food. That's, that's our goal. How you get to that goal doesn't really matter to me. I have a question when you're, when you're planning a restaurant, Part of, like I've noticed this in LA, like Salt and Straw, this ice cream place that's in Larchmont. That, that there's this whole fancy ice cream scene going on house that we might have to talk about at some point. But they they constructed the place that's um, in the Larchmont Village, where it it almost like they want the line to go out the door. It's not a very big space to begin with. For some reason, there's this giant table in the middle, so it's hard for people to crowd in. And the line spills out the door and it seems like the place, the ice cream's in super demand, which, you know, they'll have 25, 30 people. But when 15 of them are out the door, it feels like it's 100. When you're doing a restaurant, do you want to have like slightly less tables and stuff than possible? So there's always that demand and people waiting and trying to get in. Is that a piece of it? I don't know what you're talking about, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think that's our answer. Maybe. Because, you know, if you have too big of a restaurant and it's not filled all the time, then it looks like it's not cool. Listen, there, there, there are things here. Um, there are some giant restaurants. Our Las Vegas restaurant, like all in, is like 300 seats. Ooh. It's terrifying. Yeah. So we get busy at like 7 to 9, like every night. It's rocking. But like 5 to 7, you're filling half of that. It's like hard to get that momentum. So the theory is, and one of the best restaurateurs told me, hey, Dave, this is like five, seven years ago. He's like, when are you going to fucking grow up? <laughs> he said this. When are you going to fucking grow up? When are you going to learn that the small kitchens that you do, all right, 
make the same amount of food or it's the same kitchen size as my restaurant that's like 200 plus seats. So a 40 seat restaurant should do the food for a 200 seat restaurant. Problem is like you lose that intimacy, right? And you lose a little bit of quality control and that's not something I wanted to sacrifice. But uh, you can see this. If a restaurant is cramming it in, it's because they're trying, it's a business. It's, it's simply as that. But there are things that you can do uh, image-wise, uh, optically, to make it look longer, right? Um, so there, that's easy. People follow lines. The other, the other trick is to just get rid of dessert. Get the people out. <laughs> Feed them, eat them, do have that. them a glass of wine, get out. I don't know, what, Next I, table. I don't, I don't know anything about that either. It's off Next brand. table. Yeah. <laughs> There's this place in the North End, Giacomo's. It's one of my favorite places in Boston, which I, I don't know if it's still as good as it was 15 years ago, but no dessert. Finish out. Get out. Leave. We did that at Sambar. And we literally moved Milk Bar across the street. Because like, I, I don't drink coffee. And I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want people to linger. You, you, they're lingering and, they're, and dessert and coffee just isn't that much money. Right. And people are like, oh, it's really uncomfortable. And I was like, yeah. Because I'm not here for anything but the food. Yeah. And I've always felt now that, not now, I've always felt I'm just more vocal about it now. The whole ambiance angle, the whole European sort of vibe of a restaurant, that is very American and Eurocentric. If you go to Asia, doesn't mean you're a good restaurant if you have that shit. So I, as a cook, am always focused after, you know, my vision quest is simply the food and the food alone. If I can make that experience amazing just on the food, I just, it's like doing a, a, you know, a skating routine on the highest level of difficulty. That's what I want to do. Well, I will say... You, you've, you've captured that properly at the Momofuku CCDC. The benches are hard and there's no backs. We got, rid of, I, we got rid of the benches. <laughs> we, got, we got rid of the benches for you, Uh-oh. House. Well, that, it was very thoughtful of you, but uh, it does not diminish my experience, nor does it drive me out of there until I'm good and ready to be done. But I'm only done when I'm done eating, when I'm full. I mean, I'm, I'm eating until I'm done. So don't don't I'm not one of those people that's not that's sitting around letting the food, you know, digest. I'm eating and then I'm done and I but, pay. And but I get as we've gotten out. older and in some of the restaurants, I've realized like my way doesn't always work. Right. So, you know, I'm going to have to eat crow sometimes. And it's like, wait a second. You can't just be a, a, an asshole and just like eat this way. So we have to. So we've done that. We are doing that at a couple of our restaurants because basically uh, what's worked for us in the past is a. A terrible philosophy to sort of predict future success. So, why do you think good restaurants haven't figured out mac and cheese? Um, why is homemade mac and cheese better than a mac and cheese that I can get in just about any restaurant? House, this is a question near and dear to your heart because you love mac and cheese. And I'm, you know what? I I totally agree with you. I can make a better mac and cheese than any restaurant in LA. That shouldn't be the case. I would venture to guess that there's a lot of LA chefs that would like to challenge you. Well, what, where is it? I, oh. You never see it on the menu. Where is it? John I've and never Vinny seen Ludo, and... please come to Bill Simmons Did, office. Do they have mac and cheese on the menu? I'd never see it no, ever. But I guarantee you Ludo could smoke you on a mac and cheese. I don't know. Not even a comparison. I don't know. I don't know He's Chang. one of the best chefs in the world. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not going to fall for this just because we'll you're the pod father. So, yeah, you could definitely now, make mac I'm and cheese. What I'm trying to do is I'm <laughs> trying to rope Chang into adding mac and cheese to his new restaurant. <laughs> Oh, I love this. Yeah. That's a great idea. It's a challenge. Yeah, let, I'm just, and I, I'm just I would like your manhood. Yeah, I'm no, that, that's that restaurant I'm up in the Grove for the kids. No, I'm, cha- 
come up with a That's way fine. to reinvent mac and cheese. Why? Well, look, this is a nice segue. I, I, I do want to ask, uh, Dave, how much <laughs> cooking are you doing these days? And, and I mean that both professionally and, and you uh, know, as a new husband. Great are you question. cooking at home very much? Are you cooking in the restaurant? I'm, I'm interested in hearing how much cooking you're doing. Uh, cooking more at home than I am at the restaurants now, for sure. Um, I've been trying to step away from the kitchen for a long time. Um, and now I'm in the kitchen, but it's more like, hey, you know, Dave, we're working on this, this, and this. Let's set up a time to taste this. Or can you set up a time to talk to these chefs? But the nights of me working uh, at the pass every night, those, those, are, those are long gone. So I'm, yeah. you know, if I'm cooking something, it's definitely for, for, for myself and my, my wife. Uh, but I think that'll change. Like, because we have so many people now, it's hard. Like, it's hard to manage the chefs. Right? It's so much easier just to do it yourself. Um, and I, I mean, last time I was on the uh, here with Bill, I was saying like, like the, the transition. It's you, you. If you're the quarterback or or the star player, you think you can do it all yourself all the time. And it's really hard to get other people to care about it as much as you do. So. That's my job. I don't know exactly what that entails. Maybe some days that's going to be me cooking more than others. I expect when we open up LA, you're going to see me at the pass quite a bit. In fact, Joe House has seen me at the pass in Washington, D.C. before. <laughs> I did. Before, before, we had met one time before, and I wandered in in the first uh, 30 days of, of Momofuku CCDC being opened. And it was a lunchtime. And Dave Chang took a, a great big cookie sheet and smashed it down and yelled out a loud, very loud, audible to anybody within, I would say, 50 yards. God damn it! And I, and I, I said, oh, I'm not going to go say hi to Dave. I'm, this is not going to be a time when I reconnect. May I please go sit down and order my lunch? Hey, have you seen... It was a great moment. There's, there's been three chef movies. Yes. The best one being Burnt. With Bradley Cooper. No. Which is one of my wife's favorite movies. And just pick it apart for us. Oh, my gosh. Where, 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 where to begin with this fucking movie, Burnt? Okay. Um, number one. <laughs> the, the whole thing is sort of laughable. Um, a million oysters penance? Come on. Two. <laughs> where does a guy go to France? Like, it's a rare thing for... American to wind up with basically like the best chef in in England. That whole lineage and story, I know that it's somewhat based on Gordon Ramsay. Um, I can't talk about it too poorly. I know like Mario was a producer on it, but let's just talk about the kitchen scenes. It's like <laughs> yeah, tattoos. Yeah. Uh, every cooking movie has the worst tattoos ever. I don't <laughs> even understand it. Everyone has to have this skull and crossbones and. Uh, if I saw this movie, I, I it, it's pretty. There's one what? where they're plating a dish. <laughs> they're plating a dish, and the dish has holes in it, and they're pouring, they're pouring sauce on it, and all this. It, I don't even know how to describe it to you guys because I get so angry just looking at it. So, so it's like when my stepmother used to watch ER and pick apart the surgery scenes. Yes. When you're watching like Burnt or No Reservations, yeah. you're just going yes. crazy at all of these little tiny yeah. nitpick things. Oh, and the whole thing, like we're cooking everything in sous vide and we're doing this. And uh, the whole, no, there's actually nothing redeeming about that movie. <laughs> the only, the, there's two good points in that movie. One is the reference between um, the guy that's in the Americans yeah, you know, the, he felt like the Salieri to his Mozart. That kind of feeling is real, and I think the anguish 
of when Bradley Cooper um, like thought that he lost everything, that total freak out. That that's I've seen that kind of stuff before. But in terms of the cooking, I mean, do chefs like really like their the make or break moment in life is this one critic coming in and impressing them? Is no, that it's not anything just one critic, real about but it? Like so much, it's 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 being under pressure so much. Yeah. Right. And then when something goes wrong or something doesn't go your way, which is often the time, often the case, it's like, it's debilitating. Do you care when the critics come in or is it just when Joe House comes in? That's the only time there's real pressure. Joe House. I want all critics to be like Joe House. They just like to eat. Right. And they prefer to I eat just good like food. To eat. I want to try everything. I come in. I order. I will definitely order the whole menu. Not afraid of that. Oh, speaking of which, the whole thing. I gave Joe House a. T- I was being a total dick when we did the 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 bullets thing a couple months ago with the yeah. raw crab. It's like nine in the morning. It was out. Yes, <laughs> it was nine in the morning. Nine in the morning, and I knew exactly what was going to happen in the timing. So I prepared this really gnarly, amazing Korean dish with blue crabs, and you sort of marinate it in a lot of chili and salt and soy. Uh. So it sort of cures over seventy two hours, and you're supposed to like eat it. Uh, like suck out, suck it like a crawfish head. And I put it in front of Joe <laughs> on camera at like nine in the morning. And I thought, you know, this is going to be the, this is the test for Joe House. If he's in my club or is he not? And he crushed it. So Joe House, you're, you're, you're like super, superstar in my book. Not many people would have I had that. no idea that that, that was a test. The thing that he I passed. will take some credit for, some pride for is we, we talked um, Christy Winter Scott into trying it. Uh, that was a harder former sign. University of Maryland basketball player joined us for this review of the 1997 Washington Bullets. We talked about the, the that season and the playoff series against the Bulls. She joined us, and she was not into the crab. I mean, tell tell them about it, Dave Chang. It's it's not something I I, I don't think Bill Simmons would eat it. You think? What do you think, Joe? Nine in the morning's rough for me. Nine in the morning. I don't want to eat no, a he, lot of things at nine in the morning. Not a chance. You want to know whether or not it's gluten-free. No, I just want coffee at (laughs) 9 in the morning. Or I'm I'm finishing my coffee. We are at the moment, Dave Chang, where we're going to talk about your last meal on Earth. Uh, Now, we kind of have a little bit of preview of this because you were kind enough to appear on TheRinger.com, did a little uh, video segment for them, and and walked through your your last meal uh, on Earth and did, you know... As is befitting your your global stature, you started in L.A. and ended up in Tokyo. I'm not going to make you recount all of it, but I am interested. We'll go through the restaurants, and I would just like to hear a little bit about why they made the cut. So in L.A., you started out at, at, at In-N-Out with a, with a single patty animal style. Yes. And, and so what, 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 I mean, is that it just speaks for itself? That's just wet, wets the appetite. It sets up your, your, your palate for the rest of the meal. Yeah. I'm, in fact, my new order in and out is a grilled cheese with a gross griddled tomato with chili peppers. Huh? Oh. Yeah. What? Yeah. There's a, there a burger you, in there? And if, you, if you ask around and you'll, they'll, they'll tell you, no, 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 we don't do that. No, you got to go at the right time. You got to go to the right in and outs, right, where they'll, they'll accommodate you. So you'll ask for like double tomatoes because, you know, it's the perfect kind of tomato to, to roast. Because it's like yeah. the, the mealy, not nice tomato, but good for a hamburger. But like tell them to get it color on both sides. And they'll make an animal style grilled cheese. I, I can't believe this. Yeah. Animal style grilled <laughs> cheese I'm with double, double I'm really griddled speechless. tomato. 
Chad could have said like in and out if you asked it's free blowjobs on Tuesdays I would have been like less stunned than this grilled cheese thing right and like because I feel like I, I, I'm, I, I think I created it because I asked like hey can you just griddle to the tomato because I have a theory I love Shake Shack I love Five Guys I love all burgers that are everyone else loves but I still regardless love in and out as a better food experience right the whole thing just tastes better I don't know why they do do. There's something. They know something about cheese. Something. Something. something how they the, melt the cheese you know, the, the, is some of the next parts level. is greater. You know. Um, well, the people do swear. I I still haven't yet had that breakthrough experience in In and Out, but everybody uh, West Coast swears that the thing that distinguishes itself from the East Coast burger approach is the ingredients, and that's why the franchises have to stay West Coast, and they're mm. you know they're they're pretty strict with the ingredient control. I and so, talk- what you're describing in the way of this tomato thing ha- makes sense, except for it doesn't make a lick of goddamn sense. It does. Than, it know? does. I could speak about In and Out all day long. I, I should tell you the truth. Every time I go to In and Out, if there's time permitting, I stay there until I see something happen. And like, uh, I'm sure it's like when you watch a basketball game or something. I stay there until I see one of the employees drop something, because it's always so busy. Yeah, they drop something. They don't know they drop something, and then someone else picks it up. And the someone else that does, picks it up, right? Let's just say they drop the, a napkin. They pick up the napkin. They don't go, "Hey, jackass, you dropped this." Like most people would do. They pick it up. They don't they say anything. Yeah, great team chemistry in Asperger. Like it's, the Warriors, like yeah. the 2017 Warriors. Everyone has each other's backs. And they're like 17, 18-year-old kids. It takes me like six months to train someone that wants to be a chef to actually care about something like that. Yeah. I've always, always admired that. But well, that's incredible. I think that the... That's the, a great story. And yeah. the weirdest part of it is that Chang just sits in and out burgers and watches the staff. <laughs> well, they he, probably look, think he, you're creeping he on his one of the 17-year-olds. He, he, he's breaking his own rule. He wants people in and out of his restaurants as fast as possible. He's lingering in and in and out, which is always packed. When Not you it. started that story, I thought you were going to say you watch because you wanted to hear if somebody did an order that you've never heard of. Because no, I'm no, sure no. that happens too that if too, you're there like, long enough. I can I can tell you I've I've had a lot of like uh, epiphanies about in and out. I think the reason that they keep the the French fry, right? Everyone knows that they make French fries fresh. I think for the most part. Anyone that says, and this could offend some people, that says that the French fries at In-N-Out are amazing, they're fools. They're fools. In my book. Because how many times does a potato come out of the ground a year? I don't know. Once. They're harvested once. Okay. (laughs) And the starch and sugar content are going to change throughout the year. Right? So you're going to get some really starchy potatoes as French fries, some that are like too, too moist. The best potatoes for um, uh, French fries in a fast food setting are frozen potatoes where it have the starch content set, right? Like McDonald's fries or something like that. Yeah. It's like so consistent. Yes. In and out is doing the, this is my own little thesis. They're doing the hand-pulled French fry as a, as a uh, smoke show. It's constantly, we're making something fresh. It's just a reminder to the entire, you know, people that are going there to eat that we're making something fresh. Interesting. Well, I'm happy that you, that good. you uh, have explained this because I thought I don't think, I think the good. fries at in and out suck. Yeah, I don't. They, you have to get them well done and animal style, but that's not like. I no. didn't know that. Most places not, have bad fries. That. House, do you know who has the best fries in LA? Who? Do you know, Che? Mm. Is it a QSR fast food restaurant? It's the Four Seasons Bar in Beverly Hills. 
Look at you. Look at you. How how would anyone well, know that? How would anyone know that? This is why people listen to House of <laughs> Carbs. What makes these fries so good? They are long ass, well cooked, crispy steak fries, and they put them out and like they have a little. Last so- <laughs> made the noise. <laughs> they have a special French fry dish for them, and with like the little paper around and the ketchup on the bottom. And every time I've ever been there, because, you know, a lot of like business meetings happen at that that bar. Every time I've ever been there, I'd order the French fries, like say to the person, do you want French fries? No, no, I just ate. Order the French fries. I start eating them. And the other person starts kind of eyeing the French fries and they dive in. And there's always a second order of the French fries. The right. long, well done steak fry is always going to win they're, with French they're, fries. They're how thick? Thick. Are, thick. thick. Yeah. Thicker ones. But the, the the key with the steak fries, you don't want it too thick either, because then you're just know, chewing out a potato. Is like there's really a middle dangerous, ground. It's a dangerous proposition. Yeah, be too thick. It's like the veal chop. Then it it's, turns into a JoJo. Yeah, it's like the veal chop. It's the hit or miss order. That ten percent of the time you hit a home run, and it's the greatest thing you've ever. Again, eaten. I I listened to that podcast. I don't know if I agree with you on the veal chopping so hit. I know miss. we've argued about this. Joe, what do you think? I I, I get where he's coming from in terms of it being. Uh, Hit or miss. I don't mess around with the veal chop very often. I'm just strictly chicken parm because you can't f that up. So I'm. Sure. I, That's I don't what really I do have too. A wide variety. <laughs> I'm chicken with parm. The parm. You can't mess up chicken parm as long as you pound the chicken. Can't mess up chicken parm. That's it. Chicken parm, you taste so good. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I don't know where that came from. House, where else did I go well, on look, my last meal? We're still in L.A. And we, we can be quick about Sunil yeah. Dine because we, we've Dine. already sung his praises. About that. We know it's in K-Town. K-Town. Next, you go to Vegas for Palace Station, yes. the Oyster Pan Roast. Done. This caught my attention, Dave Chang. It's the best dish in Los Angeles. I mean, Las Vegas. Excuse me. Oyster Palace. So good. Wait, what? It tell How us it, it, what is like, it again? Where it's is Palace, that? I never even heard it's of it. Palace Station. It's the real locals casino, and you'll like this. It has the craps where it goes uh, times one hundred on the odds. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. I play that. I That's play probably that. the best tip I can give you guys. Um, and the line's usually long, so I usually go up when I wake up uh, in uh, like a ten or eleven o'clock and go there, and you get like a like this jambalaya gumbo type thing. Oh, it is. Oh, and. The, they only do like 12 seats at a time. The waits can be three to four hours long. Oh, my God. So. I'm, I'm going to do this. It's amazing. <laughs> next time we go to Vegas. Sorry, we'll go to your restaurant one night. Go, go, but, ask for but, uh, And they'll tell you how hot you want it. So I asked for like a seven. That's pretty hot. And it's yeah. a, it, Joe, this is a ton of food. And very few people okay. actually eat it all. Just saying. It's one wow. of my favorite, favorite Bill, plots. Bill, Bill won't join us because he doesn't like to eat when he's in Vegas. No, that's bullshit. I really resent that comment. You know that I love jambalaya, and you know that I love gumbo. I mean, they, I will they, always try jambalaya or gumbo. Well, when are you going to gamble? I mean, you, you know, it's de- depriving you of cr- crucial gambling time. No, but that to me, that's like the perfect Vegas thing because you go, we hire somebody to stay in line for three hours for yes. us. We come back, we eat it quick, and we're back at the tables. Uh, quick, quick story. I went there with Dave Cho, the artist, the Facebook guy, the billionaire once at Palace Station because this is his favorite restaurant. He spent $5,000 buying the line <laughs> to get up to the front. He bought the line? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So every person, he'd be like, 50 bucks. He said, no, 100 bucks. Okay. You know, he just like barter till he got to the front of the line because he couldn't wait three hours. Wow. Uh, it was one of the most protein. amazing things so I've ever seen. I don't got to go with somebody rich. I don't even Are know if Dr. Dre would do that. No. And, and the best thing about it is after we paid the meal, because Dave actually won money at the casino, 
So he just gave it all back just to cut in line. line. (laughs) Well, the move is the move is you just get one person, you give them like 150 bucks, wait in this line for three hours, right? And then we can go gamble. Yeah. So that's the next. Then we can send my little brother. My little brother will do it for free. Rich House will do it. for (laughs) Oh yeah, Rich House. (laughs) All right, what, that's what's, what little brothers what, are for. What, what, what did I say after Las Vegas? So you had Franklin's, which is goes without saying. Mm. Austin, Texas, Franklin's brisket, obviously, yes. That's, then uh, then my house for my mac and cheese, that's fourth. <laughs> that is nowhere near it. Then Toronto. Yes. You skipped New York, Dave Chang. You went to Toronto to, to the Fishman Clubhouse. Now, what is that about? Um, it's probably my favorite Chinese restaurant. It takes... Uh, I mean, it makes your uh, Yang Chow Palace look like the Harlem Globetrotters or the Washington Generals. Wow. <laughs> it's really, that's really, fine. that's I'm okay ma- with that. It's pretty um, epic. The coward Chris Chan is sitting over there <laughs> straddling the fence on Yang Chow's. If, if, if Chang wasn't here, Chen would be ready to go to the Yang Chow's right now. But Chen, yeah, Chang's slippery here. Shrimp, so. Slippery shrimp. Chen. Slippery shrimp have nothing against Lobster Mountain. They have a plate of lobster 50 Mountain. pounds of lo- fried lobster. It's oh, literally called. Lobster Mountain. Lobster the Raptors Mountain. are good this year. I want to go see the Raptors and have a 50-pound Lobster Mountain. Lobster Mountain was the amusement park house always wanted. You always wanted to go to Lobster Mountain for the, the day. The, the restaurant is unbelievable. I highly encourage everyone to go there. It's uh, one of the best. Okay. Well, look, from Toronto, and this is the one I want to spend um, a couple minutes on. You go to Spain. You go to San Sebastian. And you end up in in, in Elcano. Mm-hmm. Um, this is some some true like you know life changing, life altering, greatest dish I've ever had fish in my life. Eating experience, which is just hard to believe that that a piece of fish could be so life altering. And that's why I want to hear a little bit about okay, it. Okay, so this restaurant Elcano, San Sebastian, one of the great culinary capitals of the world. So uh, it's a it's a father a hot, uh, father son team. The father is the only person that cooks the food. And he's been doing it like 40 years by the grill. The son makes all the cold stuff. And it's a house. It's a, it's a like a Mediterranean house. And you get all of this great seafood. And the classic dish is this whole grilled turbo, which is a flat fish. And look at how much noise house is making with his <laughs> phone right now. He's like, oh, oh. you can hear him like so heavy like, breathing. So like they, they also do a lobster, like everything is alive and they're grilling it, but they know so much about the fat content in the turbo, what it's been eating. They know that maybe they're going to have to cook it with uh, this kind of sherry vinegar. Maybe they're going to add some extra virgin olive oil. Maybe it's going to need a, a little bit more time uh, with some more char in it and they cook it in these baskets and they deliver it to you and somehow they've removed all the bones from it, right? And- and it's a whole fish without the bones. Yeah. I mean, one the first time I ate there, not to name drop, I was with Anthony Bourdain and Danielle Baloud because we were there for this big culinary conference. And it was one of these dinners. Not to name drop. Yeah, we didn't want to just drop the two we didn't, No, because like, I say this because we didn't want to really eat because we were so like overfed during the week. And we were pretty jaded. And everyone's like, oh, you got to eat at this Turbo place. You got to eat this Turbo. I was like, fuck this Turbo. I, don't, I just want to eat a salad. <laughs> And we sit down and they drop, we're just having the most amazing meal, dish after dish of just amazing deliciousness. They drop this fish and I see Chef Blue try to like bone it out. And in his face is like, oh my God, they took the bones out already. And we proceeded to stop using our silverware and use our hands to just tear apart at the fish yes. and yes. eating it. Yes. And, and Turbo has so much gelatin in it that it's like eating barbecue. And because of oh. it's cooked over barbecue, I mean, the whole thing is like something I can't even explain. And there's, there's, 
there's all the, the the local sherry that's being made there, the olive oil. You're eating something is that is like just. I mean, honestly, it was the best thing I've ever had in my life, and uh, that is, I'm actually going to go back just to eat there. One hundred percent. I haven't cried in 2017, <laughs> but I'm very close right now. You know what's crazy? I'm very close. If to you tears. go down to the basement, they ship in uh, once a month, I think, three thousand tons of seawater. It looks like a like a simple house, but everything in it is like super modern in terms of the technology. They keep all of their seafood in the basement in this giant aquarium. Imagine like going down to your house, but there's no TV or couches. It's just seawater. This is incredible. Yeah, I almost can't believe this. Is this. Incredible. So Elcano, Echabari, got to go to the both of those spots. Thank you so much, Dave Chang. Incredible two-part podcast. Look for his new L.A. restaurant. North Spring coming out hopefully fall 2017. Fingers crossed. And there are a lot of other things that Dave Chang has his hands in that we're not allowed to talk about quite yet. Keep your eyes open though. Hint. Yeah. Hint. Amazing. Thank I have you, a feeling he'll be back on House of Carbs. I think he had a good time. <laughs> All right, big thanks again to Chef Dave Chang for all of his time and insightful food wisdom. Before we move on, quick note. Today's episode is brought to you by the Ringer MLB Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Yesterday was the MLB trade deadline, and no better way to stay up to date then with the ringers Ben Lindbergh and Michael Bauman who break down everything that unfolded on the Ringer MLB show. There better be a Nats trade in there. That's all I'm saying. So subscribe and listen to the Ringer MLB show available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, how about a little food news with Juliet Littman? All right, podcast pals, it is time once again for food news. We have with us, as always, the managing editor at The Ringer, host of the Bachelor Party Jam Session podcast, the one, the only, Miss Juliet Littman. Hi, Juliet. Hey, what's up? What is up? So we have three exciting stories this week. Uh, we actually had a, a, a real plethora of stories. We it was did. hard to choose. One story that we're putting off that we're not going to do this week is the new flavors, the new Lay's potato chip flavors, because you and I are going to buy bags of these and yes. we're going to eat them on air. I know yes. people want to hear this crunch. We're going to do. do a Lay's potato chip flavor. I mean, it's a, you know, we, we have to break down the flavors for the people. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to that. Can we do, we'll do it. We'll do it as soon as they're available. Yes, as soon as they're available, we're going to do those. But this week, uh, we have uh, the, the, this, a story that we'll do last that we might have to talk about a House of Carbs Hall of Fame. What? I mean, we might need to create, we might need to create the idea of it. This, this story is so good. But before we get there, <laughs> we have a couple of other good ones. What you got for me? Okay. This is one that I'm really excited about because it directly affects my life. Lyft, the, the ride-sharing service, now has a taco mode that lets you make a Taco Bell pit stop. This story is coming to us from Food Beast, but it was widely uh, written about. And here's the situation. Taco Bell has announced a new partnership with Lyft. I fucking love Taco Bell. Just want you to know that I, I ride or die for a double-decker taco. Uh, oh, my. 
It's so good. The ride sharing app will now feature a taco mode that activates with the push of the button. Taco, mo- taco mode allows customers to visit the Taco Bell on their way home. Some lucky riders will even get free swag and tacos during the limited promotion. It's currently being tested in Orange County, very close to me right now, where Taco Bell headquarters are. The collaboration between the two brands will be available July 27th to 29th and August 3rd to the 5th. So I better try it out next weekend. Got to get down to Orange County. I would say hustle. I mean, I don't wait. Uh, this is a, a quite an incredible development with limitless potential, I would say. Agreed. Um, I personally, the one that I would um, go bananas for is Arby's. Ooh. Because that's, you know, I always have the meats. There's never a moment when I don't have the meats. So, I, I mean, I, I appreciate Taco Bell. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy that. There's a story about the Chalupa making a comeback in a new form. I mean, sign me up 10 times over. But the uh, the one, if, if I saw that little upside-down Arby's bell on an app, I mean, I'm hitting it. I'm hitting it. I'm hitting it. I, 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 it would be not just the old SeatGeek two-taps. It would be a three-tap situation. <laughs> um, I have definitely cajoled several Uber and Lyft drivers to taking me through a drive-thru on my way home. Like, there's just no question. It's something that is already part of my life, and now Lyft is making it easier, as they so often do. It's really exciting. I don't know. The I'm only thing that, so that could make it better is if they included the ability to to pre-order a little bit. You know, Ooh, if you could yeah. get your order started, you know? Yes. The, the, the technology has to exist. Come on, <laughs> come on, Lyft and Taco Bell. Let's, let's innovate. That's like, um, I only go to Starbucks now using the mobile app. Like, even if I'm at Starbucks, right. I'll wait outside and order my coffee on my phone <laughs> instead of waiting in line. <laughs> you just don't want that line experience. You also, don't want you the... You don't want them calling you uh, uh, Joliet. Exactly. Or whatever. Plus, yeah. you know you know they're going to get it right when it's written down on the mobile order. Like, there's no it's way messing point. it up, which is which is really why I like it. Because, I, I don't know, it just always comes out great. I'm, I'm just really excited about this and happy to be living in California where innovation is happening every day. <laughs> I agree. Okay, what's next? <laughs> next, we have a story coming to us from another Game of Thrones actor. Um Last week on Game of Thrones, spoiler alert, if you aren't caught up with episode two of season seven, Arya, who, who you know, is like traveling in the woods, taking out all the people she hates, she uh, goes to visit her old friend Hot Pie, and Hot Pie was in season two, I think, and that actor, much like the Hodor guy who was uh, working for... McDonald's, I think. Um, KFC, KFC. KFC. My bad. You're right. Rice KFC. And, yeah. Chicken, Chicken and, rice. and rice. Chicken and rice. <laughs> uh, he's recently launched a new baking venture called You Know Nothing, John Doe, making some seriously drool worthy direwolf loaves that are reported to be made with whole wheat cornbread and orange zest and best served slightly warm with soft butter. This is a story coming to us from popsugar.com, by the way. Uh, it's currently only being delivered through Deliveroo in London, and right now appears to be sold out. So that is like their version of Seamless or Grubhub. Uh, and if you want more of those kinds of recipes, you can find them online. There's a whole like Game of Thrones cookbook. But I love seeing this kid, Ben Hockey, turning his uh, day job into a side hustle. That's what you're supposed to do as an actor, I think. Well, you know what's so funny? The reason I wanted to make sure that we captured this uh, is is not only because of how timely it is right here at the outset of this fantastic season seven games of Th- Game of Thrones, but um, we also on the Hodor story. You know, the people came back at us. We were talking about, oh, it's so interesting that that Hodor has this side hustle, uh, and what are his career options? Well, it turns out Hodor is one bad mother effer. Of a of an electronic music DJ. Yes, he is. He he's like a worldwide phenomenon as a as a as a DJ phenomenon. Phenomenon, yeah. 
Some, yeah. Something like a phenomenon. So he already had a he already had a side hustle. The the Hodor commercial is just that I think it's the case that that he's a DJ first and and a Hodor uh, typecast second. That's his side hustle. It's pretty amazing. Uh, he's yeah. obviously a renaissance man. This kid, Ben Hockey, he seems like a really good baker. I don't know if you looked at the pictures of the loaves, but they look like beautiful. They're perfect. They look like they were like brushed with some kind of like buttery glaze. And I know there is that in there, but they just they look really professional. I, I'm really impressed by them. I think he should yeah. expand beyond wolves. He should do like a different baked good for every house, like the Lannisters, oh. like a what's oh. the, like a Lannister lion cookie and like a um uh. Targaryen dragons like bread or something like that. I don't know. There's mm. a lot of potential here. A lot of potential. The thing that I found very appealing, I think this, uh, the recipe that's featured in this story, the whole wheat cornbread and orange zest served <laughs> with warm with soft butter. Now that to me, it sounds like Christmas. That's when I want right around as the, as the weather turns, it's Thanksgiving. This could be a wonderful Thanksgiving, you know, uh, a bread that's on the table Thanksgiving time. You wouldn't want it in the shape of a direwolf probably at Thanksgiving. But, you know, this is this is warm. I mean, a cold weather food. But you're right with the other houses and the, the innovation that's available to him. Good on you, Ben Hockey. Yeah, seriously. And like, it looks really warm. It looks generally warm in King's Landing where the Lannisters are right now. So like, what about some ice cream? You know? Oh, I mean, the, the flavors are the, the flavor profiles that are available out there. There's what do you think? A lot. Uh, da- what do you think Daenerys would taste like? Something minty. Oh, minty. Interesting. Oh, I don't know. She's fire. She's dragon. So maybe more like like a cinnamon kind of like warm flavor. I was thinking like something with with a um, cinnamon with, I love the cinnamon idea with a little taste of cayenne. (laughs) She, I think that she also would would like, her flavor would be really strong because it wouldn't mix well with others, you know? Oh, I like this is outstanding. Thank so you. Good. I could go on so for we, days talking about made up Game of Thrones ice cream flavors. I, I can't it, believe I said she'd be mint though. Clearly, that would be like a stark <laughs> thing. Something <laughs> chilly from the north. Oh, um, that, that could be Sansa. That's true. That's a great point. Maybe we'll only anyway. we'll only do flavors for the ladies of Game of Thrones because they all oh, they're the best is, anyway. All right, we're building. This is our, our our new enterprise. Let's let's keep this going. We're gonna be. I'm I'm sorry, people. We're gonna be talking about this on Food News for as long as Game of Thrones is on. I don't care. So look, uh, this next story. Um, we haven't yet. We're still in our infancy here at House of Carbs. And we haven't, there's still a lot limitless possibilities for ways of recognizing true genius that comes out uh, at us through the, the, the interwaves, uh, through stories that, that arrive on our doorstep, people that send pictures and inspiration to us. This story was forwarded to us by a friend of of the pod. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep him nameless for now because he's gonna make an appearance here soon enough, uh, and we'll talk to him about the story and why it caught his eye and why he thought it was a good story for House of Carbs because it's the best story for House of Carbs. Uh, let me stop talking and let you tell the story. Okay. So there was a guy in uh, Minnesota, I believe. And he was waiting on help at his car on uh, a highway. And he was waiting for, like, you know, AAA to come or whatever. And he was hungry. So what did he do? He ordered a sub from Jimmy John's straight to his car. It was the Sunday evening before the 4th of July. And this nice man, I assume he's nice, named Tom Roman, noticed a stalled truck in the northbound lane of the uh, 35 in 
Minnesota. And little did he know that while he was calling 911 to get help, the driver was calling Jimmy John's to get something to eat. So a state trooper showed up really quickly because he was like worried about this man who was stranded on the side of the road. And then like seconds later, another car pulled up behind him uh, asking if anyone had ordered Jimmy John's. And the man who was pulled over you know, popped out to say that was me. Uh, <laughs> the man who was called for the sub later received a ticket for driving a suspended Illinois license, which is like maybe one of the reasons why he's so good at ordering in because he's not supposed to drive. And uh, ah, great point. All we know is that he got his sandwich and also a ticket and shout out to him for this innovation in uh, the food delivery space. It's it's so it's it's incredible in many respects. In the first place, the guy encountered whatever trouble he encountered that caused his car to be disabled and must have in the moment thought, I'm going to be here for a while. And I'm going to be here not just, you know, this isn't going to be one a 10-minute thing or a 15-minute thing or even a 30-minute thing where my AAA or whoever might help me, uh, you know, either load my car onto a tow truck or help me restart my vehicle. It's not going to ha- – that whole transaction is not going down in the next 30 minutes, and I'll tell you what, I'm hungry. And I know with the technology these days, the GPS, that these food delivery services, and I'm in the man's head right now. I'm just, I'm just trying to help explain what it is that this, this brother must have been thinking. Uh, with, the, with the GPS technology, uh, and, and Jimmy John's especially has a reputation for being very fast with their uh, food delivery. If you're within- Is that true? It, I'm, Are you I'm sure? telling you, here here in in DC, they have an outstanding reputation for getting their food to you by bicycle, motorcycle, moped, uh, you know, and, and obviously <laughs> car. Odds, there will be obviously food. car. All the forms of they'll, they'll get it to you as quick. I think they're like they don't they're like Domino's. They don't say inside thirty minutes, but uh, they have a great reputation in my experience of getting their food to you inside thirty minutes. So this so- dude. When I was in college, I was really into Jimmy John's, like really into it. Their pickles are really good. Um, I totally agree. Their pickles are underrated. And it's just a dollar for like a really large pickle. I I support it. Uh, But the worst thing ever was being put on hold because they played this crazy hold music that it wasn't even music. It was like a guy talking really fast about sandwiches. It was like torture. And I would be on hold for a really long time. So maybe the delivery was fast. But I always think of it as being of a long process because of the, the crazy hold situation. That's so funny. You know, I don't order over the phone, obviously. I'm online when I order my Jimmy John's. I know. Well, so I miss out on the music. Luck- luckily, the you know, it's evolved. So hopefully the students in Northwestern don't have to endure what I did. <laughs> I hope, hopefully. Well, look, I, I think this is such an incredible story and that this dude, you know, having his wits about him and, you know, uh, understanding exactly where his stomach was at at that moment deserves some extra recognition. We're not we're not quite there with a House of Carbs Hall of Fame, but whatever point we come up with a way to to celebrate and give out accolades to the true food innovative geniuses, this dude's on the list. He's a nominee. That's where I'm putting him right now. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, like, what so far, what are the criteria for the Hall of Fame? Like, is it innovation? Is it performance? Like, to you, what earns a spot? And why is this guy one of the more important ones? So in the very first place, it, it's it's outside the box thinking. Mm-hmm. You, you're, 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 this is a guy who encountered a, a life challenge and took that life challenge and turned it into something that tasted wonderful. 
It did. It could have been a you know a two hour. I'm sitting around waiting. They don't have the part. They don't have the the tow truck. Can't get here. Whatever the challenge was going to be. And he said, you know what? I'm going to turn this sour moment into a sweet moment. So that that's one crucial element. Taking some outside the box thinking where you take. Uh, something that ought to be sour and instead become something sweet. Innovation is important. Also, the, the, the having the, your wits about you, understanding your moment in time, this 21st century moment where the internet and the, and the phone and the GPS, you know, we live in this wonderful, some people call it big brother. I get that. But at least in terms of food delivery, it's a wonderful moment. So that, 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 those are some of the criteria, I think, that go into to receiving and recognizing the, the, this, uh, this accolade. Okay. Okay. I support it. I'm going to keep my eye out now for who that, who that could be. Well, there, there's, there. I think all we 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 need to do is just keep a list of, yes. of of brilliant actors in this space. Maybe at the end of the year we can do like a a year in review or something of. Great, I love it. Great I food think news moments and That's hand exactly out, hand right. out some awards, something like that. Because <laughs> there's a, I think, um, in back to my co- my personal college experience, college kids are great at innovating with fast food and delivery and food in general. You know, just born out of need, you're up late, you don't have a ton of money because you're in school, and you just do weird things with food. I know that. That was a big part of my college experience was ordering in and having it like as much cheap food as we could. I I mean you're you're it's brilliant. You're absolutely right. Leave it to the youth of America to to provide us this wonderful <laughs> innovation in, innovation and inspiration. We'll keep our eyes out uh, on the on the all of the social media as well as our brand new email. Ooh. Uh, yeah, we have a new email way of 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 interacting with the fans. That's House of Carbs fans at gmail.com. We're going to talk about it a couple other times in this podcast today to make sure that people get the word, but let's go ahead and plug it one more time. All right, Juliet. Thanks, House. Great to talk to you as always. More outstanding news. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Bye. All right, podcast pals. Coming up as promised, Atlanta's native son, Rembert Brown, coming on to sell you on lemon pepper wings. But before we sit down with Rembert, how about a word from our good friends at Sun Basket? If you love cooking show marathons or following food accounts on social media, and I know that you do because you're listening to this podcast, that means you know the appeal of preparing an amazing meal. But you also know that those delicious creative meals take planning and effort, make fine dining easy and convenient with meal kit delivery from Sun Basket. Sun Basket sends organic and non-GMO ingredients directly to your door. That means you can cook delicious, Instagram-worthy meals in about 30 minutes. All of Sun Basket's recipes are created by a James Beard award-winning chef. That's credentials, my friends. And approved by nutritionists. It's like having a fancy restaurant in your own kitchen. Each meal comes with pre-measured ingredients and easy-to-follow directions, so even total rookies like this guy, House from D.C., can do it to it. My friends, I cooked up a wonderful summer chicken breast with cherry tomatoes, summer squash, delicious feta cheese. It was beautiful in appearance and beautiful in taste. You can choose, my friends, from paleo, gluten-free, vegetarian, Lean and clean, those are your options. Go to sunbasket.com slash carbs today and get 
50% off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash carbs for an outstanding 50% off your first order. Sunbasket.com slash carbs. And now let's talk to Rember Brown. All right, House of Carbs people. We have told you that we will regularly be featuring friends from the Ringer universe. And I promise we are not just looking at Ringer peeps out in L.A. I know we've had a couple of rundowns of of various aspects of the L.A. food scene. House of Carbs is a nationwide enterprise, my people. So we're covering East Coast, West Coast, and everything in between. This next guest, I mean, listen to this background. This man is a journalist. This man is a critic. He's a multimedia maven. He speaks with the voice of young America. He's covered both the Democratic and the Republican conventions. Named to Forbes magazine's 30 under 30 list for media last year. Formerly of Grantland, formerly of New York Magazine, and probably his most important professional credential, my friends. He was a judge on the infamous House Eats 3, Atlanta's native son, Rembert Brown. What is happening? The only thing that matters is House Eats. The only thing. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, I didn't even listen to a single thing that you said before that because I, I didn't even do half of those. But I will... <laughs> House, house Eats is, is, is like my, if I, if I ever got, you know, knock on wood, House Eats is the only thing that all timers would not strike from my brain. Well, it, I will it tell you it the line that I, the line that I hear from many, from, from fans of House, the House Eats uh, series, the line I hear from people always, the, the bucket is right there. It's right. <laughs> the bucket is right there. That's a Rembrandt line. That was, I think that was the moment that I, I, after being at Grantland for a couple of years, that was the moment that I realized that things were going to be public. Like I was like, <laughs> oh, is, this is the moment that my mom's going to realize why I dropped out of grad school and she's going to be really upset. Uh, shout well, out to my mom. Well, think about, um, think about my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so look, you wrote a story a few weeks ago. For the fine publication, First We Feast. And, (laughs) (laughs) right. And the title of the story Atlanta is Wingtown and Lemon Pepper is King. Now, I have to tell you, Rem, when I saw this story, uh, it hit hit my my Twitter timeline. Mm -hmm, Obviously, mm -hmm. my my eyes and ears perked up, but you know what really perked up? My my belly. My belly perked up. I knew I had to have you on the House of Carbs podcast to get the rundown on the lemon pepper wet, which I know that that Atlanta, the television series, kind of put into the 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 media mainstream. Yeah. But you know, let you went you took a deep dive. Let's help the people. Let's introduce the people to the to the lemon pepper wing. I should yeah we need to we need to start from the beginning which is uh well first off you saw you you did see the show Atlanta right yes uh, unbelievable so life changing incre- incredible show um very excited for season 2 um when i saw in that second episode when uh when i saw them go into famous Atlanta institution JR Crickets which is a famous wing spot bar um, type spot, I was like, oh my God, this show is actually about to do this right. I wonder 
if he's going to eat lemon pepper wings or not because I was like I was I was still I was still nervous that Donald was going to do Atlanta right. I didn't know yet. And then when I saw that box of lemon pepper wings come out and I saw the light come out of the box, I I, I damn near fainted. I was like this is going to be the greatest <laughs> show of all time. Yeah. And because like there's so many different ways you could have gone with that, but like that was the moment that I realized the show was going to be good because those wings, like lemon pepper wings, the the idea of getting them wet, that's which is like an off the menu type of thing. Uh, just focusing on that, it was like the most Atlanta thing I'd ever seen on television ever because that dish is that that food is pro- in, in my in my mind um, is the most Atlanta food that has ever existed in the sense that it just it other places have tried it and it's not as good and most places just don't even really know it exists so that that's uh uh that's a perfect segue i i i've never heard of those i've had wings with lemon pepper seasoning yes. you know if you go sometimes you might go to a place that offers wings you know six different ways or 10 different ways or a dozen yeah. different ways and one of the ways might be with lemon pepper Seasoning, which I understand is just kind of a sprinkling onto, you know, a, a depending on how they've prepared the wing, a fried wing or a roasted wing or, or a grilled wing with that seasoning. But that is not what we're talking that, about. That's here. not it's like it's very it's very akin to like to think about another southern institution uh, like sweet tea, like in the north when people make sweet tea, like they just add sugar to cold tea to make it sweet but in the south when you really make sweet tea you brew it hot and you add the sugar in when it's hot so it's not a confection on top like that's the issue with the way lemon pepper wings are made other places it's not it's not just okay here's a basic wing and then just like let's throw it in some lemon pepper which i've seen i've i've seen some very respectable but terrible attempts at lemon pepper wings in places not in Atlanta, um, and I respect them for for the effort. Yeah, you know, for effort, but I'm not, I'm never going to return to those places. Well, ever. even in Atlanta itself, there were some national chains that tried to half step up to it. I don't know if you call yeah, out so, institution by name. I don't have to call it out by name. Yeah, you so basically, uh, uh, I got a bunch of my friends together to do a, a blind taste test, and. We we went out of our way to make fun of uh, uh, Wingstop, and which is uh, one of the main owners of many Wingstop franchises is Rick Ross, and we just we just went in on him, and then but I don't think any of us realized that Rick Ross was going to be in the video that they made. So we're all kind of worried. <laughs> yeah, so like, there was an accompanying video yeah, to your so story. Like, I'm not going to really... Yeah, there was an accompanying video to the story. And part of the video was me. I went home and I gathered like 12 of my friends. Like I sent I sent the group text out like very not far in advance. It was just like, hey, wings, beer, come through. And just it was like the bat sign and everyone got off work a little bit early. And we wanted to do a blind taste test of the different like kind of known wing lemon pepper wing places in Atlanta to see if we could tell the difference. It was basically just like a way for us to be loud and argue, which we would have been doing anyway, even if there weren't cameras there. But the kind of universal opinion was that Wingstop's wings were not the best. 
which is the national chain. And then when we saw the video, we were like, I, like, is is Rick Ross going to like sick his Wingstop goons on us? Uh, like, I'd love to not like put out the location I'm at right now. I'm in New York, <laughs> Jersey, Philly, <laughs> Los Angeles, somewhere on the East Coast. That's yeah, all. Can, that's if all. If we'll you can say. edit out that New York thing, um, yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> where am I really? Who knows? <laughs> well, let let me ask you this question. So. Uh, one of the things, I've been to Atlanta a few times. I have a very good friend down there. My sister is down there. Shout out, Annie House. Annie um, House? <laughs> yeah. So I, and I've had some outstanding meals in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta has a thriving culinary scene. I've had, you know, fantastic fried chicken at places like Mary Max and uh, Busy Bee and, you know. Busy Bee. Uh, oh, I've, been, I've been to Bones for steak. I've been, you know, I've, I've hit some of the uh, Atlanta traditions. But 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 you know I I just be straight up I've never had anybody walk me into a wings joint to try the lemon pepper wing. Um, tell me how sort of prevalent you know how hard is it to find an authentic lemon pepper wing in Atlanta? So here here's I'm just gonna I'm just you told me to be real so I'm just be real. yeah we're we keep it the realest on so on the House of Carbs when it comes to lemon pepper wings it really helps to know a lot of black folk that live in Atlanta. <laughs> I got it. You. Just it, it, it helps because a lot of those wing spots that have the really good lemon pepper wings are on the south side of the city, which is a predominantly black side of town. And so, if that part of town isn't uh, isn't the side of Atlanta that you're very familiar in or you grew up in, there's going to be less of a chance that you know. You know, these aren't the places that you're necessarily reading about uh, in magazines. They're not necessarily like in Zagat or on Yelp or stuff like that. It's just like, you know, if you're from this neighborhood, you know that these wings are superior because you've been eating them your entire life and you've gone to other parts of town and eaten wings and they're not as good. So I think that's one reason that, you know, being from Atlanta, people are often like either talk to me before, like, where should I go? Or report to me afterwards and tell me what they ate. And I'm, I'm, I'm typically like, just don't like, like, listen to me. Like I actually know what I'm talking about. Like with the, <laughs> with the, with the, with the down home places, like I can't, I can't tell anyone like about anything cool that's opened up in Atlanta in the past decade. Cause I haven't lived there in right. a decade, but like you want that, you, you want that like mid nineties to like mid two thousands knowledge. Like, I, I got you. And when it comes to lemon pepper wings, like that's why I assembled, I kind of assembled a a diverse array of people that I grew up with. Cause we grew up from all sides of town. So we had different, we had different wing lemon pepper wing palettes. Uh, but we oh. do, we did. Yeah. Like we just, you know, like some people prefer this, some people prefer that. I think it's just like, it's like we were like teethed on different lemon pepper <laughs> like styles, you know, it's like, I, I, I prefer mine dry. Some people prefer theirs wet, um, but I also like to eat my wings and go. Like I don't, I don't, I don't need a lot of napkins. I'm just trying to like knock mine out and and keep it moving. Like maybe while I'm well, driving. let's give. I don't know. Let's give the people, uh, you know, a, a real good feel for the flavor profile and what yes. distinguishes them from just sprinkling on some lemon pe- pepper. Okay, so it's like the the way I think about it, it's like. Which is why it's really like a in a an aggressively like dynamic one two three thing because like the ones that I like it's like the first thing you you feel is like that tart lemon oh. and it's like it, it's like shocking it, it like it, it 
it like it, it makes it pops you, you it, in the mouth. Yeah, you feel in like in in like that bottom right jowl of your neck. It's just like, ooh, like that was that, like that was new. That was that was cute. Ah. But did I like did I like it? I think I liked it. And then like the pepper yeah. cuts it immediately. So it's not like bad. It's like, oh, okay, like this is so you get all of that before you even get the chicken. Like you're having a whole a whole life experience like questioning what is up and what is down before you even get to the meat. Like it's the type of stuff I would just eat that skin. Yes. Yeah. Like and you don't need to dip it in anything. Like it's not like like when you get lemon pepper wings, it's it's not like, oh, can I get some blue cheese and some ranch? It's just all you need is wings. That's a I crucial, crucial tip. That, that, a, I, thank a, you for giving those peop, giving the people is, that tip. I, I, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I did not think to put that in anything I wrote. And I just, I hope that this becomes part of the curriculum on lemon pepper wings that will yeah, be I mean, offered look, in you're colleges. On, you're on house of <laughs> carbs, Rem. We're giving <laughs> it to the people nationwide. Let me, I want to hit one more thing with you. About this, yes. this dish. Now, you made a pretty compelling argument that it ought to be Atlanta's signature dish. And, and two things about your argument jumped out at me. In the first place, uh, you sort of lay out the case how there is not any one cuisine or any one style of, of food down there in Atlanta that uh, distinguishes itself sort of historically so yeah. that it's kind of a jump ball for uh, what might be the, the city's signature dish. And then you said this, this dish has been on the scene for, for decades, but you know never, never received the uh, proper recognition for it. So, so help me understand, and let's, let's, let's hear the case for why it ought to be the ATL's signature dish. So I think, I think Atlanta, uh, one thing that I, I always urge myself as a person from that city and my fellow, my fellow natives, it's like, we just need to be honest with ourselves about what we're good at and what we're not great at. And there's, there's literally like a barbecue for almost every state in the South. Like there's Alabama barbecue. There's like, there's, there's different types of Carolina barbecue. Like we just miss yep. that wave. And I don't, I don't think we need to like spend time trying to do that. It's just like, no, we're just going to, we're just going to, this is going to be like a place where you can get everything. But that's why I think having a meat, meat being so important in the South, I think having a meat delicacy that is our own is a super important thing to just like be able to have some bragging rights on. And it's it's just been sitting right there. I just don't think uh, I don't think we ever thought about it. And the other thing that I remember doing this piece, which I think is a very Atlanta thing, because a lot of people from Atlanta never leave Atlanta is like we didn't know it was an Atlanta thing because we just assumed it was everywhere. I got you know? it. No. Like I, yeah, I was for talking sure. like, like it's not everywhere. I, the person I talked to in the piece, you know, like 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 one of the city councilwomen, like when I told her that I couldn't get lemon pepper wings in Atlanta, she was like, wait, what? I mean I couldn't get them in New York. She was like, wait, right. what? Like I thought they yeah. were everywhere. So I think part of like the best part about it having this little moment in pop culture is Yes, it's good that everyone else has found out about it. It makes us feel cool. But I think it's like it's also like a slap in the head to everyone in Atlanta being like, yo, like this, this is, is your actually thing. our thing. Like we didn't know like yeah. you don't know what you don't know. So it, right. it was a reminder. And I think that's when kind of the pride, the public pride kicked in. I think the, the private like internal pride 
was there because we just liked it and it was just it was it was like background music like you could you can eat it anywhere you can eat in strip club you can eat it like indoors out like you can do whatever but now that we know that people don't know how to make it as well as us or they don't even have it we're like yeah this is our thing so yeah well that's 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 what i think the story is incredible. I highly recommend. First We Feast, the date on it is July the 12th. Atlanta is Wingtown and Lemon Pepper is King. Ooh. Rembert Brown, the author. Now, Rembert, uh, before yeah, yeah. I let you go, uh, two things. First, I need to get down to the ATL with you. So let's, oh, this, yeah, yeah. this is a, in 2017, let's make sure there's a moment when both of us are down there at the same time so I can let's get properly let's, introduced yeah, to the Lemon l- Pepper Wing. Let's, let's merge these iCals. Let's, let's, you know, you know, exactly. my people my people will talk to your people, which basically just means I'm gonna text you and you're gonna text me back. <laughs> it can be done. We could do this. We could do that. We we, we have this. that technology. Yeah. Well, speaking of things we can do, one of the, the weekly features, I'm gonna keep you on for this because I, I need your take on this. One okay. of the weekly features on House of, of Cards. I like that. Is uh, a recommendation. <laughs> I give out a recommendation to the people. So this week okay. the house recommends I want to, you, you were, we were from, I'm just a little bit older than you. So, uh, I want, I want you on the, for, for this take this, this week's recommendation, my friends goes to the social dinner seating chart. So we're in a season right now where you might be invited to a dinner or you're more likely invited to a wedding. And let me tell you as an, as an old pro, the way that I approach this, if I think that I'm going to be going into a situation, a dinner, like a catered kind of deal, or a uh, or a wedding situation, I will, before I go sit down, size up. Now, this is a, an instance where there aren't already assigned seats, where you're going to a table and you can pick your, your chair. Uh-huh. Um, I, will, I will take a look at the other attendees, the other folks at my table, and I will deliberately wait for mo- most people to sit down and then slide in between what I will call two light eaters. I look for the lightest eaters at the table, Rem, because wow. what I want out of this experience, this social dinner seating chart experience, I want to be able to enjoy more than one meal. As okay. is my way, Rembert. I this like very much, you know, tr- trying different things. And lots of times when you're in kind of that kind of setting, it's not appropriate to go ask for more. If you're at a wedding that's not a buffet kind of thing where they where it's plated, you can't go back to the kitchen and say, can you slide me another filet? Or can you slide me another, uh, you know, um, del- delicious uh, uh, sea bass? So I, I this is <laughs> this is my thing. This is the house recommends uh, for this week's House of Carbs. Remember, what do you think about that? I mean, I, God, I, this could be a, this could be a, a 15 chapter book. Like just the theory <laughs> behind this, like, like in my head, the first thing I think about is like, are these, I think there's a difference in between in, in what type of table we're at for some reason, yes. for some reason, I think there's a completely different approach if it's like a, a 10 person circle table versus Versus the rectangular table, because I don't know if I want everyone to be able to see the savagery that I'm about to do, which is <laughs> get, like if, if, if you're in the rectangle, there are people who your 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 act will be in a, their blind spot at the circle table. Like you're everyone's kind of on the spotlight and it's, it's just hard to be 
like as well, smooth is, about that as you want. This is a great point. You're making a great point. Discretion is key, obviously. Anyway, Rembert, I love you, my brother. Thank you, you so too, much. Alice. This is a recurring thing, my friend. You yes, are not a one-time, oh. one-hit wonder. Oh, and we're we connecting got... in 2017 for some a- lemon pepper wings. Absolutely. ATL, me and you. That's it. All right. Thanks, buddy. I have. All right, my podcast pals, thanks again. Another outstanding House of Cards. Part of the Ringer Podcast Network in the books. Please keep up the outstanding belly sourcing. We love the feedback. And as mentioned at the top of the show, we have another way for you to share your belly's best with us. We have email. You can now email us at houseofcarbsfans at gmail.com. I promise I'll take a look. I promise we will uh, enjoy all of your suggestions and considerations and recommendations. Please make sure to give us a review on iTunes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We shall be back next week with another episode. But until then, let's stay hungry out there. <laughs>